I love that phrase that she sang there. Come with nothing. He is the offering. And that's what the Psalm 135 is calling us to. It's calling us to come and worship the Lord together. So if you're not there yet, Psalm 135. Well, what a year it's been, 2020. We started off the year with high hopes and all kinds of dreams, and we were going to plan this, do that, go there, and then it all changed. Overnight, we were in lockdown. I well remember, it was surreal. And with that comes fears of the unknown. We're human, right? What if? What if? What if? And then those COVID questions started rising. And as this thing has been progressing over the world and people have been dying, and now we have a few million. How many is, what's the update, Alice? Alice is the keeper of the statistics. Sorry? Yeah. Worldwide, almost two million. And now it's starting to mutate and questions are being raised all the time. Are we going to cope with all the different strains what about the virus what about the um whatever the thing's called the vaccine are they going to be able to develop these so that we can keep pace with the way this virus is affecting everything and so the whole of life is pre-covid covid post-covid hopefully it's become the new norm and the questions don't stop there. What about economies? Our country's done well so far. But you look worldwide, and if this thing carries on mutating and affecting economies, what about a worldwide economy? Is there going to be a general slump in the economy? Are we going to face a possible depression worldwide? Who knows? And with that is linked our jobs, our livelihoods. What about the future? What about 2021? We don't know. It's the unknown. You see, this psalm, Psalm 135, written how many hundreds of years ago, addresses some of these questions in principle. Some of those big questions of life. It addresses some of my own attitudes. And it puts my own heart attitude in perspective in the light of who God is. You see, what Psalm 135 is telling us is that when you have a large view of God, then fear, uncertainty, and even worldwide events are put into their proper perspective. I'll say that again. If you have a large view of God, in other words, that God is an almighty, overwhelmingly big God, then fear, uncertainty, and even worldwide events are put into their proper perspective. It's when we don't have a proper view of God, when we have a small view of God, then all these events get bigger and bigger and bigger, and they overwhelm us. And so that's what Psalm 135 is calling us to. So verse 1 and 2, and you'll appreciate I can't go through every single verse, but I'm going to be pulling out those principles that we find in this beautiful psalm. It's a call of praise. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. 
It's an invocation to praise. We don't use that word much anymore. To invoke, to call to. It's calling us to worship the Lord. The Hebrew word for praise is the word hallelujah. Where we use our modern word hallelujah. It's from the Hebrew. And it means praise Jehovah. Who is Jehovah? Almighty God, the God of the armies, the, the God of the hosts, the heavenly hosts. It's calling us, but it's commanding us. Praise His name. As we start this year, are we coming in with a whimper? Or are we praising the name of Almighty God? Scripture says, praise His name, all you who serve in the house of the Lord. Are you part of the household of God? Then praise His name, says the psalm. It's what we call today worship. All the collective things we do to praise His name. Our lives, our songs of praise, our prayers of praise are worshiping the Lord. It says worship the Lord. The old English word for worship was worthship. To give someone their due. It was used of nobles. Your worshipfulness. You are one that we give praise to. And so what we do when we worship the Lord is we acknowledge the true worth of God. Is that by our little glasses on? Do we evaluate who God is by what we know? And by the value we put on God? Is that what worship is? No. True worship of God is giving Him the value and the worth as He has revealed Himself to us through creation, through His Word. Who does God say He is? If we look at creation around us, some of you might have got out from the holidays and, and done, done the Tongariro crossing or done something out in nature, and you see the vastness of creation. And you realize, man, what a great God we serve. One of the songs we had up there previously had a beautiful sunrise that I took down, in, down south. The whole sky was just lit up by the glory of God. We give Him His worth as He has revealed Himself to us. As He has revealed Himself to us in His Word. The more we read about God, the more we realize how great this God is. And we give Him His due worship. You see, if we start in our own hearts... And our view of God, the worship is much too small. Because He's far greater. And so true worship of God, when we bring Him His due as shown to us by Him, it does something to you and I. When you're walking out in nature and you see that beautiful creation, what does it do to you? Does it make you strut around and say, what a good fellow I am, what a great guy? No, it humbles us, doesn't it? It makes you realize, and you'll often hear this, it made me realize how small I am. That's the right effect of knowing who God is. It makes us realize how small we are, how great He is. It humbles us. It destroys our self-importance. It puts us in perspective again. Because we often get big heads so quickly. Leave us alone for two seconds without thinking of God, and my head puffs up. It's one of the worst sicknesses we have. 
And until the Lord comes, we won't be cured of that. It will always be with us until Christ comes and makes us like himself. Then we will know what true humility of heart is. The Archbishop of Canterbury, William Temple, when he was the Archbishop, said this. Listen to this. This was really well said. To worship is to quicken the conscience. How? By the holiness of God. My conscience is pricked to be a conscience in the true sense of the word again when I realize how holy God is. True worship is to feed the mind with the truth of God. It's not just mindless feelings. True worship of God is to feed the mind about the truth of who God is. And then it's to purge the imagination by the beauty of God. My imagination is affected when I'm worshiping God because it is broadened when I think about who God is. It is to open the heart to the love of God. When I worship the Lord and I realize how much He loves me, it opens my heart even bigger. And it leads to devoting the will to the purpose of God. When I am truly worshiping the God, when my imagination, my mind, when all these things are affected, then my will, my feet are affected in the way I live before the Lord. I'll repeat that whole phrase with no interruptions. To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, and to devote the will to the purpose of God. That's what true worship is. True worship isn't unthinkingly rushing here on a Sunday morning to get you on time because the service is going to start. True worship isn't just coming together and singing songs, praying, listening to sermon, going home. That's just the framework we put around true worship of God. It's there to help us to put flesh on our worship. And so if you've come here, you've just sung a song, we've, you've kind of, we've prayed, you've, we're reading the Bible, listening to a sermon, it doesn't mean you've worshipped the Lord. You're holding on to a skeleton. The Lord says, worship me from your heart, with your imagination, with your mind, with the love in your heart, with the will of your feet, worship me. That's what these first two verses are calling us to. It says, change me to worship you with my whole being. And so as we come to the end of 2020 and the start of 2021, it doesn't matter what's happened in 2020. Put it behind you. Worship the Lord in 2021 with your whole being. And worship an almighty God, not a small God of your own imagination. Worship the true God. Why should we worship the true God? We've got verses 3 to 14, because he gives us his own reasons. The first one is this, verses 3 to 4. Look at it. For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel as his own possession. Verse 3, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name, for it is pleasant. So why should we worship the Lord? Firstly, because he is good. His very essence, his very nature is perfect goodness. We need to be reminded of that because we get blunted to these truths. 
The old English word for good was the God. Sorry, the word for God was the good. And it was shortened to God. The good became God. His goodness itself. His wisdom, his knowledge, his judgments are good. You might disagree with God, but his judgments are good. His decisions over your life are good. His power is good. His, his works of all creation are good. Why do we know that? He said so. Genesis 1. God looked at everything he created and he said, it is good. God's thoughts towards you and I are only good. So good that he loved us and chose us, you and me, in Christ before the foundation of the world. Together with Jacob and Israel, says verse 4. He chose you as he did, Jacob and Israel. Now there's election in one sermon. I'm not doing it. Because it's many sermons. But this we know, it's because of God's goodness that you and I have been chosen. Nothing worthy in us put his attention on us. In actual fact, when he looked at us, he saw only evil. That's how good he is. If you want to have a bit of holiday reading, go to Romans chapter 9. And go and read about election. God chose you before time existed. But I am going to read Ephesians 1, verses 4 to 6. This is what it shortly says about this topic. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen to that. Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. There's a whole topic there. He chose us in Him before the creation of the world, before time existed, for His glory. How and why, I do not know. It's a parallel truth. I accept that truth. God said so. Someone said once, why and how, I do not know. But this I know. He called my name. I woke. I rose. I followed. And that of him. There's the truth of election. There's much more to be said. We can have a coffee and discuss it. But you see, his goodness is seen in the way he chose us. Secondly, his goodness is seen in the way he sent his only son on his rescue mission to earth to save sinners like you and me. In other words, his goodness is seen in his unmerited grace. What is unmerited grace? It is God's goodness, undeserved goodness to you and I, Shown to us when we were in the very act of rebellion against Him. 
He showed us His goodness. He showed us His mercy. He took hold of our lives. He turned us around to face Himself. He started working on our lives and our hearts. And slowly, the truth of who He is started dawning in on us. He chose my heart. He changed my heart. He made me new. Praise the Lord. Unmerited grace. Now, why is knowing about the goodness of God so important as we start off this year? Why is that important? Because we need to be reminded of the very nature of God when things start going wrong in our lives. When things start hitting your life, when things start going south in your life, when the big stuff starts hitting your life, you need to know God is good. He has my good at heart. He will not do evil to me. You need to remind your soul of that truth. God is good. And He is good, and He will look after me. Why? For His glory. Because His goodness, through the tribulations and the hardness of what I'm experiencing, His goodness will be seen in and through my life, and it will speak about Him to those around me. As they see me struggling, as they see me clinging to God and God upholding me. Romans 8.28, you should all know this one off by heart. And we know, that's a heart know, that for those who love God, all things work together for good. 2020, COVID, all things work together for good. For those who are the called according to His purpose he chose you for his glory and it's all for your good believe God at his word and so he's good but our verse carries on verses 5 to 12 he's the sovereign God the one who is great the one who has all power verse 5 he's above all gods he's the only one to be worshipped he is a supreme God any other God you dare to choose is second best in power to God there's no other God like our God. There's much more to be said there. Verses 6 to 7, He's the God of His creation. I love this verse. Verses 6 to 7. This is what it says. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the depths. Whatever He does, whatever He it pleases Him, He does. What a beautiful verse. God is great. He's the God of all creation. He makes the clouds up in the sky. He is in charge of all the natural processes of His creation. Why? Because He made up the laws of nature. Mother nature didn't do it. Mother nature is non-existent. Whatever our culture might say. God is the God who made the laws of nature. And nature obey those laws. Hot air rises. Moist air. And it becomes clouds. And when the clouds have enough saturation, it comes down as raindrops. Mother nature didn't make that up. God did. That's how it works. He's supreme. And even in history... He is supreme. Even to the point of history 
where he brings kings down. And the Bible gives you um, verses 7 and onwards there. Examples of the way God brought specific kings down. He is the one who brings the king up. He is the one who brings him down. And even in history, when God did in one sense the hardest thing for him to do, he didn't spare his own son. It says God was free and doing what pleased him, Romans 8 verse 32. God was doing what pleased himself when he sent his son. He wasn't forced to send Jesus here. To this earth. He sent him because he wanted to, and it pleased him. And then Paul says that the self-sacrifice of Jesus in death, Ephesians 5.2, was a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Yes, even the death of Jesus Christ was pleasing to God, because God knew what he was doing with that death. He is the one who is all-powerful. Verses 8 to 12, he shows mercy and love to his people. He brings judgment on those who oppose him and his people. Past history shows that. Those who have stood against the Lord have been brought down. Those who have stood against God's people have been brought down. Why? Because God says he would do that. And so in the present, we need to learn from that. Our governments need to learn from that. He who opposes the Almighty will be brought down. God will always glorify His name. And into the future, as we look at 2021, and what might happen on a world scale, whether you'll be allowed on trains and things without uh, vaccination, doesn't matter. Whether you'll be allowed uh, to have a bank account and to do any trade without a vaccination, whether you're allowed on a flight to go anywhere in the world without a vaccination, it doesn't matter. In the end, He is the one who is in control. He is the one who must be glorified. He is the one who has to be acknowledged. And we need to learn from that. And so He's good, He's great, and He's everlasting, says verses 13 to 14. He's the everlasting one, and that's why you and I, as we go into 2021, have hope. If it wasn't for the everlasting God... Where would our hope be? If God was dead, what's our faith all about? But He's an everlasting God. He's the unchanging one. Now, here's your theological term for the week. Unchanging, He is the immutable God. Unchanging one. And therefore, we have hope. Therefore, our hope is secure our circumstances may change, but our hope never does because He is immutable. Well, I hope you've been encouraged by who God is and why He does these things for us and why He is to be worshipped because I'm taking you to some bad news now. And that's man's worship, man's flavor of worship of himself and his God's. Verses 15 to 18. I'm going to read this because every single one of us is tempted by this type of worship every single day. Verses 15 to 18. Listen to what it says. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths but do not speak, speaking about the idols. They have eyes but they do not see. They have ears but they do not hear, nor is there any breath in their mouths. 
Now look at verse 18. If this is all you hear for 2021, listen to this. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Man creates stuff for himself. He fashions idols. Dumb, deaf, and lifeless idols. And then he bows down and worships them. Stupidity. Utter stupidity. Says scripture. And here's the challenge on us. Verse 18. You become like those things you trust and you worship. Now I'm pretty sure you've seen that whole thing about people becoming, looking like their pets. My dog's not bald yet. But it's quite often true. There's a kind of a funnier likeness. Maybe it's just in our own eyes. But we become like those things we worship. That's what Scripture is saying here. You become like the things you worship. If you worship lifeless things, you will become lifeless. If you worship dumb things, you will become dumb in your very nature. If you worship an object, you'll become dehumanized. Just look at the way things are going with us worshiping our little cell phones in front of us all the time. No one's talking to anyone anymore. We become dehumanized. And so what, what do we need to do now? We need to actually have cell phone sabbaticals. That's what people are saying on the net. Put your cell phone away, go on holiday, leave it at home. Why? Because we are becoming dehumanized. We are becoming like the objects we worship, whether we like it or not. If we worship success, we become fleeting and shallow. Because that's what success is. If we worship ourselves, we will pass and fade. Because that's what's going to happen to us. But if we worship the Lord, says the psalm, we will become like Him. We've just seen what that's like. Growing in goodness, which will enjoy forever. Which will grow and endure forever. So become like your God. How do we become like our God? Worshipping Him. You become like who you are worshipping. We need to remember that in this year. You know, consumerism is taking over our world. And I'm the first one to put up my hand. You get a motorbike, you want to put stuff on it. You get a car, you want to put mods on it. You get a cell phone, you want the latest and all the apps. Consumerism. We become like the things we worship. So what do we do with this? We're not finished with the psalm, verses 19 to 21. This is the call to you and I. What? This is the so what? O house of Israel, communal call. Bless the Lord. O house of Aaron, bless the Lord. O house of Levi is calling all the Israelites together in all their factions and sections. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. You who fear the Lord, bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Blessed be the Lord from Zion, he who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. That's a worldwide call to worship of our God Almighty, Jew, Gentile. Let's worship the Lord together. That's the so what. Give the Lord his worship in 2021. Why? Because he is good. 
He is sovereign. He holds you, he holds your future, to quote a famous living guy now, who's sitting right amongst us, he holds us in his grip. Thank you, John Malcolm. He holds us in his grip. So give him his worship. Worship the Lord. And warns the psalm, turn your back on other worthless gods. 2021, lest you become like them in your thinking. Use the resources gifted to you by Almighty God, but don't worship them. Use them and give God glory and praise and thanks for those resources. Don't worship the things God gives us. That's our call for 2021. And I hope the Lord has impressed on your heart something that you need to bring before Him so that He would become your one and only God that you will worship this year. Whatever may come, may God be praised. Amen.